0: Growing in God's word and learning what it means to take up our cross and follow Jesus. This is Crosswalk with Pastor Clay Stevens from Cross Culture Church in Raleigh. If it's
1: coming from the enemy, then it's certainly intentional. Sometimes it might come from somebody that we care about or loves us or we love them, uh, but it, its basic uh, result is that it keeps us stuck where we are and unable to move forward into all that God has for us in
0: our lives. Guilt. That's a word nobody really wants to hear because all of us have experienced guilt. It's not pleasant, but is guilt necessary for our lives? Are there different types of guilt? What do we do with guilt? I've known people who
1: have lived in or with guilt for years, sometimes over something they did, sometimes over something they feel like they should have done. Sometimes people feel guilt over something that they had absolutely no control of, but somehow they still feel guilty uh, for it.
0: Hello and welcome to Crosswalk. Today we come to the conclusion of our Survivor Series by taking a look at the subject of guilt. In Psalm 38, King David is feeling the effects of guilt on his life. It is
1: to bring repentance. That is always the intention. That's always the purpose of godly, real conviction. It is to bring repentance.
0: Pastor Clay is going to take us to that psalm to see what we can learn about guilt and its effect on our lives. Now, here's Pastor Clay with Surviving Guilt. I
1: want to say a word to you uh, today. I want to use a word today that is one of the most reviled um, disliked words in the English language I got your attention <laughs> it is a word that virtually every person knows the definition of and every person has experienced and the word <laughs> is guilt 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 is a word, as I said, that if, if you're old enough, uh, virtually everybody knows what guilt is. And, and uh, virtually every person has experienced guilt in their life at some point. Something has, has happened to them, some uh, whatever. Guilt. I've known people who have, who have lived in or with guilt for years. Sometimes over something they did. Sometimes over something they feel like they should have done. Sometimes people feel guilt over something that they had absolutely no control of, but somehow they still feel guilty uh, for it. Perhaps a person that, that survives a, a plane crash or a, a terrible accident or something like that, and they survive and others don't, and people feel the, the guilt. They feel they, they would describe it as guilt that they feel that they survive. So, so guilt is something that pretty, pretty much everybody has experienced. The question is, do we really understand guilt? Is guilt good? Is guilt bad? Does guilt have a purpose? This is the last subject and uh, message in our Survivor Series. The Survivor Series comes to an end today. I hadn't necessarily, when I laid it out and, and all these subjects I was coming up with, hadn't necessarily intended to end on this subject, on guilt, but it just... In the whole it just fell out that way. That's the way it turned out. And that's okay because I know that a lot of people, a lot of people, can struggle with guilt. Today we're gonna try and walk through pretty quickly and, and look at basically five observations uh, that you and I need to, to take notice of if we're gonna survive guilt when it comes in to our lives. Y'all ready? Open your Bibles to Psalm 38. Electronic copy, hard copy. The text uh, should be up on the screen as well. We're going to be, I'm not going to read the text up front today. I'm going to read the text as we go through these different division statements. If we look at these different observations about guilt. What it is, what it's not what's God's intention, what is other people's intention, what is it about guilt, and how do we deal with it, how do we survive it, and in the economy of God, I keep saying this, I've said this throughout this series, in the economy of God, surviving something means what? It means thriving, thank you, a few you guys, it means thriving, it means having victory over uh, this, whatever it was, and we've dealt with a, a, a myriad of, of different subjects that, that come into our lives, experiences that we have, because, as I've said also throughout this series, life throws stuff at us, Right? Life throws obstacles, life throws situations, life throws uh, uh, just all kinds of stuff at us all the time. And so knowing how we respond to those things, how we thrive in the midst of all of those things... Not only is best for us, but it is also God glorifying. And if you're here today and you're a follower of Jesus Christ, and you would say, you know what, I know him, he's my Savior. By the way, if you're here and you're not, if you say, I'm not sure about the whole Jesus thing, thank you so much for being here, being open uh, to the possibility of what God would say to you. But if you know Christ as your Savior, your, your goal is to glorify God with your life. Whether you recognize it or think about it all the time, or whatever, that, that, that's it, right? That's it, to glorify God. Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verse 13 and 14. I just quoted this to somebody the other day. Now, all has been heard, here's the, here's the sum total. Fear God, meaning all reverence, respect for him, and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. This is what it's about. Man, knowing him, walking with him, all that sort of thing. Okay, I better not get on, on that one. Psalm 38, y'all there? Popping <laughs> everywhere. Psalm 38. I'm going to start with the first division statement, which is probably going to sound a little, mm, I'm not sure about this, but uh, hang with me, and we'll get to it. First, first division statement this morning. If you like to fill in blanks, you can do that. Guilt comes from God. Let me read uh, the first two verses of Psalm 38. O Lord, rebuke me not in your wrath, and chasten me not in your burning anger, for your arrows have sunk deep into me, and your hand has pressed down on me. Notice the personal pr- pronouns applying to God that God is, this th- is the one who has done this thing. Guilt comes from God. Psalm 38 is the third of what are known as the, the, the penitent, penitential, penitential, <laughs> penitential psalms. Uh, Psalm 6 and Psalm 32 being the other two. Those three psalms, along with Psalm 51, David's great uh, sin a prayer of for, for asking forgiveness after his sin with Bathsheba those those uh, psalms make up the total encompassing uh record that we have of of god dealing with david and his sins that it almost certainly was written by david almost certainly all three of those penitential psalms were written by the same person and it almost certainly is dealing with that event where where david sinned against god uh when he was with Bathsheba and had Uriah her husband killed and all that sort of stuff if you're familiar with the story these psalms are all uh in a sense uh, connected although psalm 6 psalm 32 and psalm 38 are more uh, dealing with the guilt the weight that David feels over his uh, sin and so uh he says you know God don't 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 Rebuke me in this, God. Don't, and so He knows that God is up to do that. That God is doing something. Guilt comes from God. Now, I probably need to to clarify because to say make that statement say guilt comes from God that that might sound a little mm, right because because we we would say God is a good God and God gives good things to His people. Right? Every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father above. Right? Right. So when we say that because we think that we, we would tend to think of guilt as a negative, And so the idea of, of God bringing that might be sometimes harsh to, to see or to, to understand or that sort of thing. So perhaps I should clarify some when I talk about guilt. There are basically two types of guilt. When I refer to kind from God, there, there is real guilt and there is false guilt. Let me just try and define these for you a little bit. False guilt is guilt that comes from a source other than God. Okay, so I, I kind of misled you there at the first. Not all guilt is from God. There is a false guilt, it, which is a guilt that comes from any source other than God. It could come from Satan from the end. In- that was very dramatic. If I could time those pops just right, I'd, I would get y'all, I'd get everybody at the altar today if I could time those pops just right. It could come from Satan. It could be something the enemy uses. It could come from your spouse. It could come from your children. It could come from your boss. It could even come from yourself. But it is is guilt that comes from any source other than God. Its basic purpose, guilt's basic purpose, is to make you feel bad. That's the basic purpose of false guilt, to make you feel bad. It is destructive in nature it is not in other words it is not profitable It is not not doesn't have a good intention it is destructive in nature I, I would say it like this basically that false guilt has the consequence of keeping you where you are trapped in your mistake your sin and unable to move forward in your life that is the intention of false guilt and I say the intention, sometimes it might even, it might, it, depending on who it comes from, if it's coming from the enemy, then it's certainly intentional. Sometimes it might come from somebody that we care about or loves us or we love them, uh, but it, its basic uh, result is that it keeps us stuck where we are and unable to move forward into all that God has for us in our lives. Listen, we've all done it. I would dare say we've all done it. Someone has has done something to hurt our feelings or said the wrong thing or acted in the wrong way. And we have used guilt as a weapon to make them feel bad because we want them to feel bad because they hurt us or they, or they said the wrong thing or they did the wrong thing. And, and so all of us are probably guilty of having used guilt as a weapon. So, so not all guilt is, is good or real, what I'm talking about. Uh, there is false guilt. And it's false not because you don't feel it, right? You feel Guilt, wherever it comes from. But it's false because of that. what I said there. Because its result is that it keeps people where they are. It keeps them stuck where they are and it keeps them unable to move forward in, in all that God has for them. That is false guilt. Real guilt, on the other hand, is the conviction that God sends into our lives. Real guilt is the, is the guilt, or the better said, the conviction... That God will bring into our lives, that, that God has this intention for. Its basic purpose is to make you better, to make you better. And notice the distinction there. False guilt make you feel bad. Real guilt is not intended to make you feel good. It's intended to make you good, to make you better. Not just feel better, but be better. To be this better person that God desires for us to be because of God's knowledge of the destructive nature of sin. And, and when sin is undealt with, when mistakes, you call it whatever you want, but, but when we mess up and we do something contrary to what God would desire for us to do with our lives, if we do not move past that, if we, it, then, then we'll find ourselves just stuck, either repeating the same mistakes or just, just living without victory in our lives, unable to move Forward. Its intention, its basic nature is constructive. It is constructive in nature. It's to build you up. It's to take you farther. Again, to, to kind of define it, godly or real guilt or conviction is to move you away from choices that are harmful to you spiritually, emotionally, and physically and to move you forward in your life in Christ. So, good guilt comes from God. Real guilt comes from God, and it has an intention. It has a purpose. Some of you are familiar with the story of the the five American missionaries who went down to Ecuador in this mid-1950, 1956. Five young men that uh, uh, believed that God was leading them to reach out to a, uh, a, a very remote group of Indians in Ecuador known as the Alcas. And they reached out to the Alcas. And they began making contact with them. It's a long story. It's a beautiful story. But... Uh, I don't have time to explain all of it, but those five young men were, were murdered, savagely murdered by the Alcas uh, there in Ecuador when they tried to make actual physical contact to reach out to them. As I said, it's, it's a beautiful, long story, but as a result of what happened, some of the Alcas within a year or two, some of the Alcas, these this very remote people that nobody had ever had contact with outside of that area, Some of them began to come into a relationship with Jesus Christ. Some of them through the very family members of the murder victims. It's, it's It's a beautiful story of God's grace. But anyway, some of them began to come to a relationship with Jesus Christ. Even some of the very men that had murdered those five missionaries that day uh, along the Curre River there in, in Ecuador. And one of the interesting things was that in conversations later, uh, these, young, these men that had murdered these five young missionaries said a very interesting thing. They, they, they told the people that they were talking to, that says, we knew when we murdered those men, we knew that what we did was wrong. We knew it was wrong. Now listen, this is, a, this is a group of people, this was a, uh, in, indigenous people that had no contact with the outside world. They had no concept of a Judeo-Christian ethic, no, nothing to base their, the, anything on, and yet they knew instinctively that what they did was wrong. How would they know that? Because God brought conviction, He brought guilt into their lives to bring them to a place of recognizing that not what was best for them, it's not what He wanted for them, and that God had a better purpose and plan for their lives. God uses real guilt as a way to move us away from uh, something that's wrong or harmful or hurtful and move us towards something else. So guilt is not always bad, there is bad guilt, and I'll talk about, I'll give you some things at the end of this message that if it's false guilt, some things that you need to do. But if it's real guilt, if, if it's based on, on unrepentant sin in my life, then it is real. If it's real, it's from God. And if it's from God, then I need to recognize it and see what God wants me to do with it, okay? C.S. Lewis uh, famously said this. He said, God whispers to us in our pleasures. He speaks in our conscience, but shouts in our pains. It is his megaphone to rouse a deaf world. I would propose to you that the pain of guilt, and I think that's a good way to describe it, the pain of guilt is God's way of saying, hey, hey, Clay, don't, uh-uh. Don't, don't keep going that way. Turn around. Come here. Come to me. That, I believe, is God's intention when he uses guilt. Guilt comes from God. Real guilt comes from God. Now, let's look at the Second observation this morning. Guilt affects us physically. Uh, Verse 3. There is no soundness in my flesh because of your indignation. There is no health in my bones because of my sins. For my iniquities are gone over my head as a heavy burden. They weigh too much for me. My wounds grow foul and fester because of my folly. This is a man who is feeling physically feeling the weight of his sin. Guilt can affect us physically now now wherever guilt comes from, false or real, it can affect us physically but this guilt that comes from this conviction that God is sending into david's life is affecting look at look at some of the de- the, the descriptors that that he uses here and he says there's no no soundness in my flesh there's no health in my bones it's uh, i feel like i'm drowning in this it's like a heavy burden it's weighing too much down on me it is the physical effects of guilt nobody has to raise their hand in here today but how many of you have have messed up done something that's contrary to what god would want you to do in your life and and felt physically sick Afterwards, it literally felt physically sick. How many of you have lost your appetite as a result of you just uh, you just know that this is weighing on you and you can't. Now, word of caution here: every time a person gets sick or is not hungry, doesn't mean okay that that oh man, that person has is, is committed some sin. <laughs> okay, it doesn't automatically mean that. What I'm what 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 David is saying here, though, is man, I am feeling this. I'm feeling the pain that comes from from this at this point not turning away from what he had done. When I was in second grade, my second grade teacher was Mrs. Combs. Mrs. Combs, uh, y'all kids that are in school now, you're going to find it hard to believe. Mrs. Combs uh, carried this uh, ruler, wooden ruler with her. And it weren't for measuring. You know what I'm saying? See what? And, And Mrs. Combs was a big woman. But she was like a stealth ninja second grade teacher. Because you never knew where she was. And if you were reading, or if if she'd given some assignment or you're taking a test, or even if she was, you know, quote unquote lecturing at second grade. I know, but she would walk around the room sometimes as she was teaching or whatever. And if you weren't paying attention, you know, you're sitting there at the desk, whatever. She thought you weren't paying attention. If she thought you were cheating on a test, if she thought, whatever, and she you just wouldn't even know it. But suddenly, whack. That ruler would come across the, the, the back of your hand. By the end of the year, every kid in the class had, had learned to sit at their desk with their hands under the desk like this. Because she, Mrs. Combs, believed in uh, the good that could come from feeling pain as a result of doing something wrong. You understand what I'm saying? Some of us grew up with parents. Maybe you were that kind of parent. Who believed that it was actually good in some instances for your children to feel pain as a result of something that they did that was wrong. You understand what I'm saying to you? Now, now somebody might say, well, I I, I just don't, I don't, you're you're implying that God would would allow physical pain to come into our lives as a result of of pain. I just don't believe that. I believe God loves me, and I just don't believe God would do that. Listen to me. It is precisely because He loves you that He would do that. Precisely because He loves you that He would do that. Because sin unchecked or undealt with, it it sours the life, it 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 oftentimes leads to greater or further sin or difficulty in our lives, and so yes, sin can affect us physically. but I want you to see this even worse possibly than that is the fact that guilt can affect us emotionally, and I say worse because physically if you if you if you're feeling bad and let's say it is a result of of conviction God's bringing in your life, you can function right you can you can keep going sometimes for a while you can go through the motions or whatever, but when, it, when your sin begins to affect you emotionally slash psychologically, man, it, it's, it's hard to function. It's hard to even want to get out of bed in the morning. You understand what I'm saying? Again, I haven't read the text yet, but again, every time a person is a little bit down or whatever doesn't mean, oh, there must be some big sin in their life. No, I'm just saying that, that clearly it, this is affecting David. Let's read verses uh, 6 uh, through 10. Listen to what he says now. I am, and by the way, you still see, the still, he's still describing the physical stuff as well, but he says, I am bent over and greatly bowed down. I go mourning all day, for my loins are filled with burning, and there is no soundness in my flesh. I am benumbed and badly crushed. I groan because of the agitation of my heart. Lord, all my desire is before you, and my sighing is not hidden from you. What's he describing? My heart is. Throbs, my strength fails me, and the light of my eyes, even that has gone from me. This is a person who is feeling the emotional effects of the weight of their sin. It it, it can be a consequence of sin. And when God brings conviction, I keep saying this, it has a purpose. Its intention is to help us recognize man, this is not how I want to live my life. This is not the direction I want to go. This is not what I I want to, to, to do with my life i gotta change I, I need to i need to do something differently it can affect us emotionally i i saw this interview is a number of years ago i saw the interview I've seen it a couple times since then but it was an interview done by one of the uh, secret service agents assigned to the presidential protection detail on november 22nd 1963 in the assassination of john f kennedy in dallas he was riding on the trail car behind the president's limousine. And this interview was like, I can't remember, it was like 30 or 40 years after the event had taken place. And, and, the, and you could see it on the guy's face, but he just described it as well, that, that, that ever since that day, every single day of his life was consumed with the guilt of what happened that day and his inability to stop it. Now, that was, that was, that's false guilt. But the, but the point is, it, it, it would just consumed him. He, I mean, he couldn't even begin to talk about it without just crying and, and just losing it emotionally. And just, you understand what I'm saying? That there is this effect that can take place as a result of, of guilt. God's conviction, what he desires to do with it through us. Recognizing emotionally, man, and again, every time I'm emotional every time I start crying, every time whatever, doesn't necessarily mean that there's some unconfessed sin in my life, but that it can be a result of guilt in my life. You with me? Okay. Let's look at another one. Guilt affects our relationships. Listen, this is physically, emotionally, this is one messed up dude. I mean, he is, he is feeling this, right? Look at verse, now watch what happened. Look at verse 11. My loved ones and my friends stand aloof from my what does he call it from my plague, and my kinsmen stand afar off. nobody's accepting invitations to eat at the dine at the king's table right now. Those who seek my life lay snares for me, and those who seek to injure me have threatened destruction, and they devise treachery all day long listen when you're when you're in a, a position or a status in life or whatever that other people might covet or might want or might be jealous of or might envy there'll always be somebody that'll be trying to knock you off of your place right and that was certainly true of king david his enemies were wanting to exploit his his sinful mistake to to their advantage there'll always be people like that but even 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 the people he loves even his friends even his his neighbors even his family members they're like yeah, we'll see you around, David. Listen, this is the truth. People don't tend to want to be around people who are dealing with guilt. Maybe partly because it 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 rings a little too true in their own life. We we all know what that feels like to come under God's conviction and God's guilt and, and it's not a very pleasant feeling and, and maybe they just don't even want to look at it or see it or or whatever. But the truth is, when God's conviction is on us, and we're feeling the weight of it, 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 it's, it can be almost like this this dark, stormy cloud over our life, and nobody wants their parade rained on. Your guilt can affect your marriage, it can affect your family, it can affect your working relationships, it can affect all of it. It's not... I, We'll get to some stuff, but I'm I'm just telling you, this can be an effect. Clearly, this is an effect for David. His own family members don't even want to come around him. That's what you'll find sometimes with guilt that happens in our lives. So, then here's here's the fifth one today. Guilt is designed to bring repentance. There it is. Godly, real, good guilt is designed to bring repentance. Watch what happens now. Verse 13, he says, but I... Like a deaf man do not hear, and I am like a mute man who does not open his mouth. Yes, I am a man who does not hear, and whose mouth are no arguments. For I hope in you, O Lord. You will answer, O Lord my God. For I said, may they not rejoice over me, who when my foot slips would magnify themselves against me. For I am ready to fall, and my sorrow is continually before me. For I confess my iniquity... I am full of anxiety because of my sin. There it is. In verse 18, David says, God, I, I, I did it. I, I sinned. I sinned against you. I, I've sinned, God. I confess it. I lay it before you, God. I'm guilty. And that is the place that God has been trying to get David to since day one. That is always the intention. That is always, listen to me, that's always the purpose of godly real conviction it is to bring repentance metanoia, to turn around and go in a new direction of my life that, that is the intention of it something new has to happen in my life as a result of, of this what I've done God I, I, I have sinned God I've, I've done this thing and now a person is in position for God to take us as he's done many times in my life and pick us up and dust us off and say okay my child Let's go. Let's move forward into what I have for you and and for your life. Let's let's move on to everything that, that I had planned for you from the very beginning. It's designed to bring repentance. Listen, let me bring a couple things up for you to see today on the screen. There's a story of a kid named Jimmy. Jimmy was having trouble pronouncing his R's. So his teacher gave him an assignment. She gave him this sentence. She says, Robert gave Richard a wrap in the rib for roasting the rabbit so rare. Because he's having trouble saying, saying words with an R, right? Can y'all say that out loud with me? Robert gave Richard a rap in the rib for roasting the rabbit so rare. She said, Jimmy, I want you to, I want you to repeat that several times a day, every day, and, and we'll help you get over these R's. And so a few days later, uh, she approached Jimmy. He said, Jimmy, how's it going? He says, Going great, teacher. Uh, I'm doing well. And she said, How are you doing with the sentence? I don't have any problem with the sentence whatsoever. And she said, Well, Jimmy, repeat the sentence back to me. And this is what Jimmy repeated back to her Bob gave Dick a poke in the side for not cooking the bunny enough. <laughs> you see what happened? Jimmy got around his problem, but he wasn't any better. You understand? He wasn't any better. He still couldn't say the R word. And What I'm saying to you, ladies and gentlemen, is for y- you and me, human beings, male and female, young, old, middle-aged, black, white, pink, polka dot, rich, poor, educated. The, the, the problem that we have sometimes is we have a problem saying the R word. Repenting. Saying, God, God, I did this. I, I, I've made excuses. I've put it off. I've, I've said this. I've done that. I've pointed at other people. I've blamed them. I, I, I've said this is that. But God... I've done this thing, as he says in Psalm fifty-one. It's me. I've sinned and done this thing in your sight, God. That is the purpose of repent, of of guilt, to bring repentance, to get us to turn around and go in a new direction. Okay, let me let me uh, let me some clarify some things for you. Of what what where we're really trying to get in this thing? Regret is being sorry mentally. That's what you find in First Samuel 15, in the story of King Saul. When Samuel came to Saul, and he says, God's taken the throne away from you because of your, you've not done what God has told you to do. And Saul, Saul regretted what he had done. Saul regretted that he had not listened to God. But that's not enough, ladies and gentlemen. No, re- regret is, is, is basically being sorry about it uh, mentally. Remorse is being sorry mentally and emotionally. Judas, the one who took 30 pieces of silver to betray the Savior of the world, felt bad. Later, he felt bad for what he had done. He, he said, this, this man hasn't done anything wrong. He, he felt bad. He acknowledged he'd done wrong. He felt bad for what he'd done, but that's not enough either, ladies and gentlemen. It's not regret. It's not remorse. That's not where God's taking us. God's taking us to repentance. Repentance is being sorry mentally, emotionally, and volitionally. Volitionally, by, by uh, desire and design, I'm going to change. I'm going to act differently. Yes, I did this, or I acted that way, or I blew it, or, or uh, I, I'm having trouble with my temper, or I, I get, you know, whatever it is repentance means not only do i acknowledge that i've done it not only do i feel bad that i've done it but i'm going to do something about it i'm going to change that's repentance and that's where god is trying to get us listen to me if you want to move beyond that when it's godly conviction and guilt and you want to move beyond it this is when guilt comes into your life especially particularly when false guilt comes into your life but when guilt comes into your life the the result being how it keeps you where it is. It keeps you, it doesn't, it's not designed to set you free. It's, it's designed to make you feel bad. Listen, you may have to, and I would encourage you, if you struggle with, with guilt in your life, I would encourage you to think about possibly saying something like this. Just, just to, when, when it happens, all right? To so just say something like this. And it's just, I, I, no, I reject these feelings of guilt and will not receive them into my life. I have been forgiven, therefore I will act like I am forgiven. I will not insult God by acting like his grace is not enough. And when you struggle with with guilt, when you won't set yourself free from it after God has already, that's essentially what you're saying. That God's grace is not enough in your case. And I will not allow myself, the devil, or any person to put the weight of guilt on me because Jesus nailed all of my sins. To the cross. I claim, John eight thirty six. so if the Son makes you free, say it. You will be free indeed. Free means free, and that's what free means. Freely means. The Son sets you free, you shall be free indeed. Ladies and gentlemen, that's what God wants for you and me. There's not a person in this room that hadn't blown it. Not a person in this room that hadn't committed... Uh, sin. Some we might consider minor. Some we might consider major. All of them were enough to separate us from the love of God. But God, in His grace and His mercy, reached down to us, sent His Son to be the very payment for our sins. If you're here today and, and you you do not know this Savior, this Lord Jesus, if you if you've known the weight of of guilt and conviction, know that God has come to set you free, and that if you if He sets you free, you are free. Indeed, concerning the, the justification that comes into our lives, being set free from sin as a result of faith that comes from repentance, turning away from God. Uh, Jab Packer said something that I think is very, very beautiful. He said, Justification is the truly dramatic transition from the status of a condemned criminal awaiting a terrible sentence to that of an heir awaiting a fabulous inheritance. Don't act like a criminal. If God has set you free, if God has said, I forgive you, my child, you've turned away from that. Not sinless protection. We know we may still make mistakes in our life. That's not what he's saying here. But that, but that we, we feel the weight of our sin and that God's desire and design is to turn us away from that sin to walk in newness of life. Then, ladies and gentlemen, walk in newness of life experience the liberating power of the cross in your life. And if you're here today and you've never experienced that, then, then my invitation to you is to come forward in a few moments and say, man, I, I need Jesus in my life. I'm ready for Jesus in my life. I, I need to be forgiven. I need to get this weight off of me. As David describes, I know what that feels like. I've felt that in my life. And even if you're here and you, and you would say, I'm already part of the family of God. I know Christ is my Savior. But, but perhaps you've let some sinful practice come into your life then the call is still the same because, because God still loves us and he still wants to move us from where we are to where he wants us to be. and So he invites people to, to, to respond to his conviction in a way that we turn from our sin and we walk towards him right on in to victory.
0: False guilt and true guilt, we've probably all experienced both. As Pastor Clay shared today, it's important to distinguish one from the other. False guilt is destructive in nature and keeps people stuck in their past sins and mistakes. God's true guilt, however, is designed to make us better, bringing us to repentance and moving forward in life with God. We invite you to join us on a Sunday morning at Cross Culture Church. We gather each week in a casual and contemporary atmosphere to celebrate the goodness of our God. Cross culture may be a little different from what you're thinking. Sure, we're a church, but instead of religion, we're about a relationship. A community of believers where Jesus is revealed in the lives of each person, real people who truly care, solid biblical teaching from Pastor Clay Stevens, and the most energetic, fun, and safe kids program around. Find out more at crossculture.church. Oh. Cross Culture Church in North Raleigh, taking the cross to our culture and taking our culture to the cross.